as a result of all of this and of looking in my own experience and seeking God in prayer about the matter, I have been impressed with two things. The first is that everything that could be said about preaching has already been said and said better than I could say it. The second is that I know very little about the subject and feel that I have failed in almost every point to be a real preacher and a strong preacher, much less a great preacher. Because of this importance of the subject, I ask the blessing of God upon my efforts. Now, in the first chapter of the 14th verse of the shortest gospel, the gospel of Mark, we find these words. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's our introduction to him. Our Savior first appearance in, the, in the, this world after he began his public ministry was as a preacher. He came preaching. That word for preaching in this passage means to proclaim, to herald. In fact, it's the word used for herald in its other form, to cry aloud. The very heart of Jesus' message as given here in this passage is the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now notice these facts about his preaching. It was based upon the fulfillment of prophecy. Wow. Upon the inspiration of scriptures of the Old Testament. It, it was a call to repentance. So we see, I see two things. First of all, I love that he talked about that he asked of the blessing of God on your efforts when when it came to preaching or even talking about preaching. And I feel the same exact way. I, I asked the blessing of God on Adventist preaching. I asked the blessing of God of even just reading this book, Feed My Sheep. I asked the blessing of God um, on preaching in general, because if we study about how Jesus preached, number one point is preaching is about fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, and Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of everything that pointed from the Old Testament. That's number one. And then number two, if we look at, if we look at how Jesus preached, it was a call to repentance. So whenever we preach, it needs to be a call to repentance and a call to faith. These four things are clearly discerned in that text. The time of prophecy, Daniel 9, the great 70 weeks prophecy that we all know had met its fulfillment in the anointing of Jesus with the Holy Ghost at the Jordan River. In Acts 10.38, we read that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Ghost and went about healing the sick and all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He was anointed there at the Jordan with the Holy Ghost and became the anointed one, specifically the Christ, in fulfillment of the, that prophecy. And immediately he began to preach. The time is fulfilled. Repent ye and believe the gospel. He came preaching that message. As he began his short but mighty ministry, his first preaching was an announcement of the fulfillment of prophecy. It was an official proclamation to the world that the prophecy was fulfilled and was being fulfilled and that he was here to fulfill it. Wow. So whenever we go to preach, we have to preach from a prophetic standpoint because it's all about seeing that Jesus is the fulfillment of every scripture that pointed to the Messiah. So when we preach, are we looking into, is this a prophetic message? Is this proclaiming the gospel of Jesus? Are we having a call to repentance? And when we preach, are we making a call to faith? Is it definite? If it is it scriptural? Is it prophetic? Next, notice that his preaching was definite, very definite. Just look at that text again. The time is fulfilled. It is definite and it is scriptural. Jesus based his whole preaching on the scriptures of the Old Testament. 
And this is why it shows that it's so important for us to know our Old Testament. It's so important to know uh, the five books that Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is so important because all of these, especially these five books are pointing to Christ. And then as you go through um, the prophets, you, it's all pointing to Christ. And how much of a blessing would it be for our preaching if we know the scriptures and it was prophetic? Now, I believe that these three points, if we could remember them and follow them in our preaching, would be enough to help us in all of our preaching. Christ's preaching was definite, scriptural, and prophetic. It wasn't based on some fine spun theory or philosophical argument. It was based upon fact, the fact of his presence. I am here. Here I am. Repent, therefore. Believe this message. The prophecy is fulfilled. See, and this is so true because you could easily take a magazine article or a newspaper article or a philosophical art argument and use this to preach a sermon. But is that a biblical sermon? That's what we really need to question. I am here in fulfillment of prophecy. His preaching was based on the fact of his presence, the fact of the prophecy that had been made long ago, and the fact that it was time for great things to take place. It was effective. True preaching is always effective. There's either an outward effect or an inward change. And, and this is what we need to really question when we preach. Does it, um, does it, does it make a inward change because true preaching always has an effect. Okay. God commanded all men everywhere to repent. Jesus commanded to repent. The preaching of Jesus was a proclamation of fact. We cannot emphasize that too much. It was also an appeal for action. Repent. He demanded repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was also a command from God. For God commanded all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17.30. Sometimes in our preaching, we plead with people to repent. And that's right. We ask them to repent. We suggest that they repent. But we, we try to induce them to repent. We do everything but command them to repent. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Remember that. We must have in our preaching a note of command from God. A note of authority. A command to repent. So we see this all here. First of all, we see one preaching is about a fulfillment of prophecy. Number two, preaching is a call to repentance. Number three, preaching is a call to faith, faith in Jesus, faith in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And that's something so powerful. Every single one of our sermons should have an aspect of how the Holy Spirit is going to do the work through us. Okay, it's definite, it's scriptural, it's prophetic. This is amazing. Now, and I want to definitely thank uh, Pastor Kilgore. Pastor Kilgore uh, gave me this Feed My Sheep as a, as a gift. So I definitely want to thank him. Now we come to the second main point. The preaching of Jesus was from personality to personality. It was from man to men. It, it is the communication of truth from man to men that Philip Brooks speaks of in his Yale lectures on preaching which many people think is the greatest volume so far in the Yale series. Preaching per se is the communication of truth by man to men. It involves both truth and personality. God might have written his message in letters of fire upon the sky, but that wouldn't have been preaching. Man had to come and speak words to other men. There are speakers today who interest people, who dazzle people with their oratorical fireworks. There are those who philosophical philosophize, philosophize, and propound speculations, but that is not preaching. 
because it is not presentation of the truth. It is merely the twisting and turning and effervescence of the human mind. True preaching must have a true man behind it. True pe preaching always involves a personality and truth. And the third element is never lacking. It must be spiritual truth. True preaching then must be definite, personal, truthful, and scriptural. When Jesus came, he was the real man. He was the real truth. He was the son of man and the son of God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was the truth incarnate. In his testimony before Pilate, the Roman governor, Jesus said, to this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth hear it my voice. Pilate answered, what is truth? John 18, 37, 38. In those days, the Roman Empire was filled with philosophers seeking after truth. There were the Platonists, the Aristotelians, the Epicureans, the Stoics, the Scenics. There were many paths that men were walking on the way to truth. At least they thought they were seeking truth. Many thoughtful men had came to the place where they thought truth was unattainable. And it was the despair of every finding truth that led to the school of the cynics. What is truth? asked Pilate. We do not know what language he spoke, but if it was Latin and he was a Roman diplomat, he must have said, quid es veritas, veritas. Someone has pointed out that if we turn the letters around, we have the words, este ver qui adest. It is, it is the man who stands before you. And so he was the very truth incarnate, the truth in a man, the truth in God, man. He was truth itself. I am the way, I am the truth and the life. The world has never seen such preaching because it has never seen such a man. Wow. The world never saw preaching before Jesus because the world, the world never seen a man that lived like Christ. And that's what we need to realize. So when we preach Christ, we're preaching of a man that the world never seen before. And it is only uh, as we approach him as a man that we grow as preachers on the personality side. We begin his preaching by quoting the Old Testament scriptures and referring. He, he began his preaching by quoting the Old Testament scriptures and referring to the fulfillment of divine prophecy. If there is a lessening of interest in Christian preaching today, it would be well for us to look first of all at our personality. Who are we? What kind of men are we? Do we live and believe the truth we preach? Is it in our hearts? Are we embodiment of the truth? If we are not having success in our preaching, we ought to look inside and take a good long look at ourselves. Second, we ought to consider the truth we are preaching. What are we preaching? Have we watered down the truth? Have we covered it up with our own ideas or human philosophy? Preaching, my young friends, will never die. You see, I have sort of aimed this particularly at you younger men who are preparing for the ministry. Don't think that preaching is going to die. It never will. Not as long as there's a sinners in this world. Not as long as the work of God isn't finished. Preaching will never be su superseded as long as true men with true message are guided by the Holy Ghost. Such preachers will always have someone to listen to them. When God's man comes with God's message in God's time, there will always be men with hearts ready to burn within them when he opens to them the scriptures. God's message from God's book 
by God's men in God's house on God's day, that's preaching. Truth and personality cannot be separated. Truth has always been tied up with a person, always proclaimed by a person, always witnessed by a person. The truth of God is a message, but God sends a message. He always sends it by a man. We read in the Bible, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John 1, 6. God always sends his message, incarnate in a man, always. Wow, this is a powerful. This makes me think so much. It makes me think about my life, our lives as preachers, as deliverers of the gospel. Are we living the truth that we're preaching? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Do we believe the sermons that we preach? Are we first preaching those to ourselves? And this is so true. And I, I love this. And I love how he speaks to the young preachers who are getting into ministry like myself saying, preaching will never die. They will always be preaching. I love that. I like when it talks about truth and personality. I love, I love how it says not as long as there's sinners in this world, it will never die. I love that it says God's book by God's man in God's house on God's day. That's preaching. I love that it says everyone that is of the truth hear it my voice. And then when he says, what is truth? And then I love how it talks about Jesus. I am the truth, the way, and the life. The world has never seen such preaching because it never seen such men. As we Adventists speak of the message, does he believe the message? Has he heard the message? Has, has he given up the message? Truth and personality are always there, witnessed by a person. The truth of God is called a message, and the man who has it is a messenger. This is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, says John. First John 1, 5. There is it, there it is, a message that we hear and in turn declare. The message bears the message. The messenger bears the message and we are to be God's messengers. The apostle Peter speaking before the general council in Jerusalem said, we are his witnesses of the things. Acts 5, 32. He was only quoting the words of Jesus for you will remember that he has said to his disciples as a part of his final commission to them, ye are witnesses of these things, Luke 24, 48. And his promise was, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in unto the othermost part of the earth, Acts 1, 8. Now, there is a lot of differences between a witness and a lawyer. Jesus didn't say, you will be my lawyers. You know, there are just lots of preachers who would like to be God's lawyers. I have heard some of them that can argue. Yes, sir, they can really argue. But once one of the sure signs of the true preacher is that he ceases to be much of a lawyer and becomes more of a witness. Wow, this is so powerful. Because you could go into the pulpit and you could argue. You could go into the pulpit and shoot people down. You could go into the pulpit uh, and, 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 and try to be a lawyer. But the question is, is that really what preaching is? I, it's saying here, be so much of a, um, he cares to be so much of a lawyer and becomes more of a witness, witnessing the gospel. When I was a student here in school, I witnessed something that shouldn't have happened. It was an illegal act. As I was coming home from preaching in my little church one day, the streetcar stopped at a certain corner in the city and something happened. There was a little boy with his skates thrown over his shoulder and they struck and they struck against a man who was waiting to board the car. He became very angry. The man's wife gave him a push and he entered the streetcar ahead of her. A very strange thing for a, a polite Southern gentleman to do. 
When he got inside, he was still so angry that he reached out the window with his umbrella and jabbed it into the little boy's eye. The matter, the matter finally came out to a court trial. One morning about six o'clock, I was still asleep in my room up there on Carroll Avenue and the policeman walked right into my bedroom with a sub Sophina for me to appear as a witness. I was really scared for I thought I was going to be put in jail, but all I had to do was go down bear witness and I learned something in that court. When I was called to witness and stand, I told them what happened as I saw it. And the first thing I knew I was telling them what I thought about that man. The judge stopped me and said, listen, young man, we don't care what you think. All we want to know is that is what you saw. That's all we want to know. Now that's what a witness is supposed to do. He's supposed to tell what he has seen, what he knows, what he has experienced, not what he thinks. Wow. So this kind of opened my mind about preaching now because we could go up there and try to think, oh, this is what I think. This is what's going on. And, and this is not what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to, sh to tell what he, we have seen, what we know, and we have experienced, not what we think. The witness who followed me was a school teacher. She became very excited and said, why judge? When that man looked out the car window, he looked just like a demon. He was blank. The judge said, how do you know what a demon looks like? Did you ever see one? You see, she couldn't bear witness. She has never seen a demon. She was using her imagination, which is perfectly proper sometimes, but not when you are bearing witness. It made a note, Jesus people needs a witness, not a lawyer. And so we are not to be Christ's lawyers. We are to be his witnesses. You know, people can't deny what is witness. When we say Jesus did this for me and he will do it for you, they can't successfully oppose that. The greatest infidel on earth can't get around a witness and his testimony. Wow. So, so we've been seeing some amazing points here. And I want to just leave it at this for the first set. Again, we are reading through the book, Feed My Sheep. And this is so we can all learn about more preaching. For all of us who have a love for preaching, who want to learn more, join me on this journey. You can find this book on eBay or Amazon, or maybe you might know a pastor who has a copy that's willing to lend it to you. But this is it, Feed My Sheep. It's a rare classic from um, HMS Richards. And we are just going over right now, what is preaching? So we, are we spoke about the fact that preaching is about a fulfillment of prophecy. So whenever you preach, it should be prophetic. Preaching is about a call to repentance. So whoever's listening should be feeling that burning desire in their heart to repent. Second, uh, preaching is a call to faith. It's definite, it's scriptural, it's prophetic. And preaching always has an effect. Whenever you preach, it's supposed to, something's supposed to happen. Okay. Uh, God is calling men everywhere to repent. When Jesus preached, he called us to repent. And if you are a true man, then you will be able to preach. Because true preaching must have a true man behind it. Okay. Preaching will never die. They will always be preaching. Okay. Preaching is from is God's message from God's book by God's men in God's house on God's day. That's preaching. Okay. Jesus, Jesus and Jesus people need a witness. We need a witness that could tell. Okay. So you could tell, tell what a witness is supposed to do. He's supposed to tell what he has seen, what he knows and what he's experienced. So, so that's what we need to do. Okay. Jesus did this for me and he will do it for you. That's what preaching is. Okay, so let's stop here and let's um let's say a word of prayer as we um 
as we continue this series of reading through Feed My Sheep. And I pray that you all could, could uh, join me on this journey of learning more about preaching. Uh, I really have a calling in my heart to uh, learn how to preach uh, biblically and be able to share that love with others. And to one day, by the grace of God, um, do workshops where we go around and help laymen and elders and, and, and leaders learn how to preach better. That is the long-term goal of this group, of this network, of being able to do workshops and help others learn how to preach biblical messages. And where does it start? It starts with studying and us learning together more about the subject. That will be a lifelong journey of education. So I pray that you could keep this ministry in prayer. I pray you could keep me in prayer. And if you're going to preach a sermon soon, I pray that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit and bless you. So continue to join us here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment to just speak about preaching, speak about your word, speak about Jesus, who is all we should be preaching and lifting up. And you promise if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men onto me. So Father, may you prepare us for this lifelong task of preaching and proclaiming your gospel. May you fill us with your Holy Spirit. May you bless these readings that we can learn more about you and how to preach your love, your grace, and your sacrifice, and your son who died on the cross for our sins, Father. Come soon, Father, and, and allow us to preach and win many souls to the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all, and I'll see you uh, next time.